Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. I am super pumped about this week's episode as I got the chance to sit down with someone I really look up to and admire. A podcaster, author, speaker, coach, and mentor, Dr. David Maloli. Dr. David Maloli runs the Relentless Dentist Podcast and has co-authored the book Titans of Dentistry. I first heard about uh, Dr. Maloli and I first heard him speak on the Dentalpreneur podcast with uh, Dr. Mark Costas. He was giving a keynote speech at one of Dr. Costas' events and this speech, guys, made a really big impact on me. David is a huge proponent of self-improvement, chasing after your ideal work-life balance, and he has a very powerful story and message about how we can overcome a lot of adversity in life and how instilling habits can create discipline which is needed to overcome and excel in these tough moments. In this episode, we talk a lot about mindset, clarity, goal setting, and execution, which are all required to create the lifestyle that you want and ultimately trying to make you as happy as you can be. Happy with your work, happy with your life, and constantly trying to better yourself as a person. This episode is brought to you by Henry Shine Australia. Henry Shine is the leading distributor to dental practices with over 60,000 products ranging from consumables, CAD CAM digital dentistry, equipment, specialty fields, and a wide range of continuing education courses which are a great resource to young dentists out there. You can always rely on them to be your trusted business partners every step of the way. As always, if you're a listener to the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you can take the time to head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rate, and leave a review. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys get a lot of value from these episodes. Be sure to check out the previous episodes as well as we've had a lot of great guests on the show. If you can pass the show on to a friend, a classmate, or a colleague and refer us, that would be amazing and I would really appreciate that. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at NewbieDentist. If you have any questions or feedback, I do love to hear from you guys. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with the relentless dentist, Dr. David Maloli. Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Dr. David Maloli, the Relentless Dentist. It's a great honor to be podcast interviewing you today. You've uh, made a big impact on me, as I kind of mentioned to you before our uh, conversations kind of started today. Is driving home a couple of weeks ago, and I was listening to uh, the Dentalpreneur podcast uh, with Mark Costas, and it was just a keynote speech uh, that you did. I think it was like a two-parter, and it was one of those ones where you kind of get home and you're still like in the car. You're like, oh, just five minutes left. Let me just <laughs> let me just finish this off before I go inside. <laughs> and I finished that, and actually before. I got out of the car, I messaged you. I was like, I, I need to uh, have you on and have a conversation with you because I think your message is like super powerful and, and it relates to a lot of people. A lot of people can definitely resonate with it. And I think perspective is a big thing because, you know, you wake up and, oh, I had a bad extraction and took me, I ran late and that gets in your head for a couple of days. And then you hear your story with obviously like health issues with your family and your wife and you're like, okay, my problems are not problems. <laughs> um, so I think it's always nice to get that kind of perspective. So David, thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's all mine. I'm glad that made an impact. Um, certainly, I think 
there are times in any dentist journey where they fall into a bit of a pit. And um, part of my quest is to help dentists understand that there's a method to stay out of the pit. Yeah. There's a method to get out of the pit. And that yeah. takes on all sorts of different shapes or sizes. And uh, most of the time we can't predict it, but there are important strategies that help me uh, figure it out when it seemed pretty bleak. And if I can help even one other dentist prevent or resolve situations similar to mine, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to do it. That's great. So I have a, some stuff I want to get to, but normally, you know, to stick true to the format of the podcast, we kind of start off with a bit of an origin story. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up and like sort of why you got into dentistry, and then we'll kind of take things from there. Yeah, of course. Um, it's kind of a, a windy road, quite frankly. I grew up in rural Nebraska, so I was a farm kid. Um, never really had much for direction, um, but it was football and sports and athletics that really taught me that going the extra mile could get you results. And so uh, while I was a pretty mediocre student, um, it was the weight room, the gym, and the football field that really taught me yeah. persistence and how if you're willing to do what others aren't willing to do, you can have what others don't have. And so that served me really well through the rest of my career. Um, sports is the avenue that I chose straight out of under, uh, in undergrad. I was an athletic trainer for the University of Nebraska. And so awesome, they won man. championship team, they had championship teams, went undefeated, um, really kind of historic teams, historic leadership. But the thing that I realized while I was a trainer was that those people, while they're revered by the athletes, close connections, things that I really wanted in a career, they traveled so much and the career was so demanding that connection to family, um, it doesn't really support that. And so yeah. I started looking around and uh, I met with the team dentist for the basketball team who I was also working with at the time. And he gave me a short little pitch on the power of dentistry as a profession. And in a moment, I yeah. it changed. And I've been in that world for 20 plus years now. So um, it's, you know, certain events, certain people that give you kind of inflections in your life. And he certainly was a big one for me. His name was Dr. Custer. And um, ever since it's been fast and furious in the dental world. So um, a few kind of pivots along the way, but uh, I can't think of a better profession. And that's kind of what I try and help young dentists understand is like, there's a golden ticket here. Yeah. If you have this <laughs> big burden, you're wrong because the ability to manage time and money and entrepreneurship and really choose your own adventure is, I just don't know a parallel to that in, in the occupation world. Um, and sometimes I think we take it for granted and we talk about all that it isn't. Yeah, for sure. All that, all that really is. That's great. So where did you end up going to dental school in the end? So I'm a Nebraska boy through and through. I went to, yeah. I grew up in Nebraska. I went to undergrad in Nebraska <laughs> and I went to dental school in Nebraska. So I lived in two towns for the, you know, the first 28 years of my life Yeah, you know, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, um, I haven't been back since, but uh, <laughs> it's very much uh, a part of who I am, you know, that, yeah. uh, work ethic and taking care of your neighbor is something that's always stuck with me and served me really, really well, um, along the way. Yeah. And I'm always curious, you know, when I speak to people like yourself who've, you know, accomplished so much, you know, obviously within dentistry, but in the entrepreneurial world and in terms of coaching and business and things like that, when did that kind of start for you? Was that something that you, like during dental school, you're always like thinking about the business side of things as well? Or was it something that kind of came out of necessity when you, you know, when you talk about you face some adversity and wanted to, you know, help other people as well when you figured out how to do it yourself? Yeah, I was always interested in it. Even when I couldn't apply it, um, 
you know, I, I can say these things because I think the statute of limitations is up, but when all my <laughs> class was in like a histology class or whatever, I would yeah. be in the back room dental economics. Yeah. And uh, at the time that was really the only, you know, dental town was at the very infancy. And so that was the only place that I knew that I could go back again and again and get insights on business and leadership and practice management. And so even though I was in dental school for four years, I was in residence for a year, I was in the army for four years, I was always kind of studying and plotting and preparing. So um, I think deep down inside, I've always been an entrepreneur, but it was, you know, mid-career before I could really start applying the principles um, that I had, had learned. And yeah. um, of course, the best teacher is experience. So most of my lessons were learned. <laughs> Uh, in the school of hard knocks of actually running a dental practice. Yeah, for sure. And you, you brought up an interesting point when you said, you know, athletics and sports was always a big motivator for you and kind of taught you some of that resilience. It's very much the same for me. I, I mean, grew up uh, being a soccer player and kind of being in athletics. And one thing that I've kind of struggled with, and it'd be interesting to kind of get your perspective is whenever I'm like, you know, down or, you know, if you're kind of acute bouts of like depression, it's like winter and it's cold. And, and I always turn to like sports and then, you know, I'll, I'll take on a new like physical challenge for myself to like run a marathon or like do a triathlon or something. And that's kind of my motivator. But I always, I often kind of struggle to put that same work ethic into other things. Like I find it easy to push myself like physically, but not maybe like mentally or to stick to a task. Any like advice for that side of things? Um, whenever I'm coaching, I always go through, it's usually a clarity issue, quite frankly. And mm -hmm. sometimes the clarity isn't, people don't know what they want. So they chase other people's visions and versions of success. And that's very unfulfilling and unmotivating because it's not your path. Yeah. You didn't choose that you chose someone else's path. But if you've been really clear on what you want, the next level is why do you want it? And for me, like um, some of it's, you know, I, I, I want to work less and make more every year, but that, that only goes so far as well. I mean, um, yeah. to be a good employer, to be a good role model, to serve, to help heal and give people confidence. And then to be a role model for my son um, is really important to see that you can really create your own destiny and your own future. So um, that's called benefit extension. You know, there's obvious benefits and sometimes you have to dig around a little bit to get to the why. Yeah. And then the thing that is really motivating to me is the third question um, that I'll guide people through is who do you have to become to get it? Because the doing, 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 doing is what we are often trained to do. Yes. Yeah. And the being the development of new mindsets and skill sets that really serve you well. Um, and that's a, that can be daunting because it's an endless game and there's no yeah. finish line. <laughs> it also can be, you can also gamify it to say like, I can literally have my best year every year if I figure out what's, you know, is it confidence? Is it goodwill? Is it case acceptance on the clinical side? Is it, you know, some of these principles that I teach in coaching? Yeah. If you just start stacking habits, the returns are very predictable. And that's stuff that no one can take from you. You know what I yeah. mean? Like if if they strip away my dental license and they strip away my practice, I can take that somewhere else and be a pretty decent executive. The habits are there. I know, I know how to create a vision and a mission and how to align people and um, how to drive myself day in and day out out of necessity. So um, those skill sets are universal. And like going back to what I was talking about in the weight room, no one else is willing to do those. So it's how you gain an unfair advantage because, you know, when people are at the movies or recreating and I, I'm all for that, I think you need to carve out time to be unproductive. That's yeah. kind of the price <laughs> of life and I'm not great at it. So I have to be very intentional about it, but 
And there's a lot of people doing pretty apathetic things along the way, even motivated people like dentists. And you you can find unlimited ways to train because there are all that down, that, that maybe it's your commute to work. It's downtime. Yeah. You can turn off the music and maybe turn on a John Maxwell book and take the steady diet of leadership. And then in three years, you don't even recognize the guy from 2016. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I know obviously a lot of your work is with like practice owners and people trying to accelerate their business and things. You know, my sort of audience is more like new grads and like final year dental students or people just early parts of their careers. So, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about is kind of goal setting. And, you know, you had that quote that you said that you put up and people in the audience kind of uh, had a reaction to. And I, I did it certainly as well. And I had to come home and kind of listen to it again to make sure I, I had it right to write down in my kind of like my uh, journal. You know, unhappiness is not knowing what you want and killing yourself to get it. So can you talk to me a little bit about that side of it? And I know you kind of touched on that earlier. If, like, if you don't know what you're working towards or if you're working towards someone else's idea of what you should be working towards, maybe the motivation's not certainly there. Uh, what I'm, I'm notoriously bad at this because one day I'll wake up like, okay, I'm going to do my MBA. One day I'll wake up, okay, I'm going to learn implants. One day I'll wake up and I don't have like a clear, okay, this is for the next 12 months. I'm just going to shut out all the noise and just do this one thing. Any tips around that? That'd be good. Well, first it's very common. So yeah. there's a distinction that I didn't know because I was that for a long period of time. And I still, that's the way my motor wants to run. That's my norm, but I know yeah. there's a cost to that, right? Yeah. And so it always starts with clarity um, and clarity. The clarity gets to me as in, inaccurately portrayed in a lot of literature, even success literature that is a lot, has a lot of fluff. It doesn't have a lot of science behind it and know that it's a journey. So, you know, you may come up with a five-year plan, but life moves pretty quick. And, yeah. you know, you might have to pivot that, but not choosing a path is pretty dangerous. So just knowing that it's a process and it's a never-ending process um, and that there needs to be some level of commitment just to get on the path and start climbing upward is very important. So not to put so much pressure on yourself to say like, oh, I need a 40-year plan or a 30-year plan. No, yeah. no, no, no. Like just project into the future of what sounds appealing and start heading in that direction. So, and then it's breaking that down. The real science, you know, when I was in college, people would ask that question as we were graduating, like, what's your five-year plan? And we'd buy, and, I mean, pretty, the people that were applying to dental school had a pretty good idea of this yeah. is what I want. I want to get into dental school and this is what I want as the next step, right? Man, like technology has changes things so quick that we're in this kind of hockey stick growth curve and we don't yeah. even... We can't even predict that implants might be obsolete or what might, you know, is there a scan system that can diagnose and treatment plan for us? That's, <laughs> that'd be that nice. We, <laughs> yeah. we just see how we'll have to pivot our career if we want to stay mm -hmm. in dentistry. Right. Yeah. So some pressure off yourself and know that um, clarity is a process and you, I, I do it every day. Right. And, and most of the time you're off course. So that's one knowing that, as achievers, we want to do it all and we all want to do it all really well um, is a recipe for burnout. And that's why you find so many unhappy dentists is because they have a servant's heart and they don't, you don't ever say, Oh, I want to be an awesome clinician and a mediocre business owner and just an okay father. Right. No, yeah. you want to be freaking awesome at all of them. Yeah. They put this burden of responsibility on us, which is hard. Really. And let, unless you have a strategy to make sure that you're taking care of yourself yeah. To create the space, to create the health, the wellness, the energy, because it's a long game and you're going to get knocked off course um, sometimes by things that are your own doing. And sometimes it's just 
life, life circumstances. See what, what's, sure. what, you know, see what you're made of. And yeah. those can be gems too. I mean, that's where I've learned most of my lessons, but I think, um, knowing what you want is the most important thing. And, um, that can change, but committing to something and not just wandering really aimlessly around the force is really important because once you know what you want, you can take these things through a filter and say, Oh, does cone beam and digital technology get me closer to and further from my goal? Yeah. Okay. It's closer to, okay. Is it the highest and best use of my time now? Or do, is there something that should take priority? Because like I wanted to be the implant guy, right? Yeah. Here's the problem. Everyone in my community has all their teeth. The seven-year-olds, yeah. <laughs> eight-year-olds have all their teeth. I can yeah. place onesies and twosies, but I didn't, I didn't think about like, okay, what's the stuff that I should be really good at that's going to be utilized each and every day in my practice? Yeah. Emergency dentistry, bread and butter stuff. And so that question, that filter of what's the highest and best use of my time really has served me well because there's would be nice someday maybe stuff. And if you don't put it through there, you, the marketers get a hold of you and then you're in their course and then you're buying the $100,000 technology yeah. <laughs> and it's not your vision. Yeah, It's not yours. It wasn't a decision made by you. but You, you get led, led down the path. Yeah, you, you created this void by not filling it yourself and they fill it. And so yeah. <laughs> that's my, been my past. So I'm, I'm yeah. not being critical or I'm not being condescending. Um, I'm empathetic to it. But now I just realized like, does that serve me? Does it serve me now? Does it serve me? I create this filtration system that makes the decisions very binary for me and it simplifies it. But there's a lot of savvy people that want to hijack your vision. And yeah. um, <laughs> sometimes they're there to serve and sometimes they're not. So uh, it's very, very normal to have this fear of missing out. Um, and you almost have to turn it 180 and um, almost become create joy out of missing out because you're being very specific about so closer to my goal, this will get me further. Yeah, that uh, that fear of missing out, it's, it's I think it's a big problem, especially with you know, our, the millennials and like Instagram and Facebook. It's like every day I'll, you know, I'm scrolling through my feed and I'm like, oh, so-and-so is starting implants, so-and-so is doing this so-and-so is doing this and i'm like i'm just sitting here doing like class twos all day I'm like, what, like what, what am i doing wrong right so i think that's a big thing and and it kind of you can get in your own head that way and you kind of feel like you're maybe like falling behind or you're like comparing yourself with others and you're not aware of their some insecurity too right? yeah for if, sure if you're comparing your cruddy day cruddy wednesday to their highlight reel like that's yeah not fair either right and we exactly. know that academically but um, emotionally it's hard to, when you see the extravagant vacation or whatever to not get wrapped up in that. Yeah. Um, but that's why reverse engineering and being clear is really important. And the thing that we know from the dying, the research on the dying is that the number one regret is I didn't live a life true to myself. I lived yeah. a life expected of me by others. And that's what's happening there again. For and sure. again, and again. So you so, just have to know it's there and fight it. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, if you're speaking to someone who's maybe one or two years out in their career and they're struggling with that clarity, they've been just doing, you know, they've been working, they're an associate, they're not necessarily a practice owner yet, but they want to start the pr process to clarity. Is there like any actionable tips and stuff that you have like, like that they can put into practice and maybe work towards that? Yeah, hundred percent. It, um, that same, that same, um, event where I told you I pivoted from athletic medicine to dentistry was triggered by a clarity event, actually two that collided. And, um, one was the untimely loss of my uncle. Uh, he was my dad's youngest brother. He was like a second father to me. And it just like, didn't make sense. Like what the young guy, wait sec. And like, it didn't make, didn't compute. And so at that moment I realized like, and I was a horrible student at the time. I was a really good beer drinker. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been <laughs> Yeah. And, um, so there's a lot of apathy sitting in because I didn't have purpose. 
And I was like, oh my God, like this game could end. I'm not necessarily going to be 80. I could go. I mean, my dad had a heart attack in his forties. Um, and it just gave me perspective on like, I'm not playing it the way if I want this sort of lifestyle, I'm actually headed maybe 90 degrees off course. So I have to correct the other yeah. thing that happened kind of serendipitously was my mother got me a book, seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. Great book. It's ironic because I would never have read a book then, but I decided yeah. to read book for some reason. <laughs> and there's a, there's a begin with the end in mind chapter in there. Yeah. And there's a eulogy exercise. So not only did I read it, I did it, which still doesn't make sense to me when I look, look back uh, at who I was at the time. Um, And you define what a friend, a family member and a colleague would say about you. And that's the thing that scared me straight. Like, Hey, this doesn't end well. If you continue, like you're probably going to kick that undergrad, you're going to be an active probation, you end up with a degree and you go work in a completely different field. So you have a useless degree. Um, and it lit a fire in me that's never really gone away. So, um, that, that eulogy exercise, um, some people short it into like an epitaph exercise, but mm. it's realizing that there's one sure thing and it's that we're you know, we're all terminal yeah. <laughs> in shape or form and embracing that it doesn't have to be scary. It can really serve you. And, um, that's worth some time and space to sit aside two or three hours and get really clear. And then everything in my life has been reverse engineered from that one exercise. Yeah. So the clarity, once you have it, so say, for example, I, you know, I put some time and I think about, okay, this is the path I want to go. And it's going to be like aesthetic dentistry, for example, how often do you like revisit that? Do you have like a time that you set aside? Okay. Let me, let me reflect back, say like a year down the line or a few years down the line, still on track. Is this what I've wanted? Or is this something that I've kind of veered off track and I should correct now? Anything around that? Yes. I have two, um, really, well, re- three, uh, three processes that help me stay on target. One is I'd never work between Christmas and new year. So I usually have 10 or 12 days off and we also don't vacation there. So I'll ski a bit because the resort's in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> I have a whiteboard right here that sits here and I have my life broken into 16 different categories and I'll revisit all those 16 so categories. Yeah. Okay. That's that's big, big picture. Yeah. Um, The, and some of it's like old man stuff. Like I know it's, it's not even on my radar now, but I want to make sure that I'm trending towards that. Right. Yeah. Uh, A lot of it's dad stuff, travel and adventure with my family. Um, but that changes too. Like the goals that were super important to me two years ago, sometimes don't even exist on there. Um, and you know, I'm a new person because I'm always in this game of, constantly revisiting my skill sets and mindsets. So you look at it from a new perspective, like why was that so important to me? It seems somewhat ridiculous if you're evolving. The the current research shows that in this distracted high-paced society, that a 90-day frame, and so I just break it into quarters just like I always did my business during February, March. Um, I usually set two to three major goals, sometimes four. I used Mm -hmm. to be... um, health, wealth, relationships, and spirituality. Now it's business, health, so wealth, health, and relationships. The spirituality, I feel like, is it's pretty habitual for me through meditation and journaling. So yeah. the support system is strong, and as long as I don't stray from there, mm-hmm. it, I don't feel like I needed a goal. The goal is always like installing a habit. Now the mm-hmm. habits are addictions that I don't have to worry about. So 90-day frames, and then I, uh, and I learned this from Covey years ago, 20-some years ago, is to kind of 
sit down on Sundays and plot out your week and make sure that all the big rocks are the things that are really important, whether it be working out, whether it be date night with your wife, father, son time are all in there scheduled in. Yeah. It's really easy to go 60 days and be like, damn, when's the last time? Like, we sat down and had a meal and looked each other in the eyes. What's and that's the real you know, reverse engineering. Think about regret. People wish they would have nurtured more relationships, and so yeah, we get in this rat race and more must be better and money equals success, and we lose sight of that very easily. And again, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, being critical of anyone because I fight that like crazy too. But yeah. knowing that that's a demon that uh, is resisting what you is really good for you and what you want. Uh, makes it a little easier to to go into the fight and make it a fair fight. I recently completed the Invisalign Go course in Sydney, which was a great in-person training session to help with the treatment of patients with minor cosmetic concerns. My good friend, Dr. Brad Agrawal, is now running a great hands-on session in August on post-alignment restoration of teeth. You will learn how to layer composites in edge bonding situations and restore peg lateral incisors in this one-day masterclass. As an added benefit to all my Australian listeners, you can now register for this course on the Henry Shine Education page and use the discount code NOOBIE20, that's N-O-O-B-I-E 20, for 20% off this course. You can email events at henryshine.com.au for further details and to register for the course. Hope to see you there. Okay. So let's talk about uh, motivation a little bit. You know, I, you wrote that you had another quote that was like kind of, I kind of summarized it. Maybe it was like, you know, happiness equals productivity, but N equals money after because you're productive. Uh, but like your productivity doesn't necessarily equal happiness. So in terms of staying motivated on a task, something that I'm trying to, you know, I've, cause I'm, you know, I'm big on like the self-improvement and stuff, obviously listening to yourself and other resources. And trying to figure out like, what is it that kind of like, I'll start a project and I'm like super motivated and not even necessarily that it fails. Like I'll, I'll have a win in that project. And then I kind of self-sabotage myself. Cause I'm like, am I like, you kind of get scared of oh, everything's there now. And then you kind of sabotage back to start. So what is it that, you know, you can overcome and stay motivated on a project if it fails or even if it succeeds and be like, okay, I can do this again. I can make it bigger. I can make it better. That's a great question. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with the word motivation um, because it, to me, and it, it was an issue for me a long time, like I'm not motivated. So I'll wait till I'm motivated to get it done. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to realize that pros get it done, whether they feel like it or not. And so now, even when I speak from stage when people's like, that was really motivating. I don't really care to be motivating. Like if I can <laughs> scare you, that, that's a lot more effective. And if I yeah. can give you a toolkit to actually like, a, B, C, D done, that's even better, right? And so yeah. motivation is something that certainly when I am motivated, I'm more productive, but um, knowing that whether I feel like it or not, there's certain things that need to be get, to get done in my business and in my life to move it forward. Um, and the cost of not doing that is what really scares me. Like, okay, there's no reason for me to continue to build these businesses because I'm quite comfortable, but good is the enemy of great. And and nature, things are usually growing or dying. So I feel like a, a perceived plateau is usually probably a decline. So yeah. putting it in the big picture of saying like, yeah, I can slack off for a day, a week. Um, but what's the price if that becomes a habit versus what's the payoff of this discipline? And now I know the power of habit because it's a, a lot of the stuff that I research and coaches really yeah. getting it down to the granular level 
And if we just improve 1% per day or move this project 1% forward per day, the 365 in that, in that year time frame is 30 X diff 30, 30 X 37, 38 X difference versus if we don't do that, yeah, it's, it's zero. It'll go to whatever you're at. If you're at a million and you decline by 1% for a year, you're, you're basically at zero. So I use those little head tricks to kind of keep me in the game. Um, but it's hard. It's hard. It's a very distracted thing. And the thing that I know about my personality is it's, I'm really good at ideas, but I'm really poor at follow through. Um, yeah. I'm on the same boat with that. I quick start low follow through, which makes a really good entrepreneur, but not so good at like installing and staying behind disciplined systems. So yeah. but the other piece is that as you build out your career, you find people that uh, complement your skill sets. Um, like my, most of my team, if I said, Hey, create an idea for this, they can't do it, Yeah, but I can. And they're good at the follow through. So I just get it to, to the 20% mark and then hand it off. And it almost becomes a joke like, oh, we know Dr. Maloli is not going to finish it. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's how we're wired. And so instead of seeing it as a weakness, you, you make it a strength and yeah. find other people that have a strength where you're not as strong. And so it's easy to want to strengthen our weaknesses. And I think there is some of that. Like most dentists are pretty average at business acumen and marketing and things like that. But that's the knowledge that knowledge base is the price you pay if you want an excellent practice i feel like yeah. other things you can outsource delegate automate and it's just being very savvy about That's which huge. ones stay on your plate and which ones you get off your plate and making sure that you're very clear about the targets so that someone else can be very accurate with your goal yeah, that's great. And that's something I str I mean, I'm the same way as I think we have a lot of similarities in the sense that every day I wake up, I have like a business idea and like I'll write it down. And I'm like, one is like, I don't have time to like do it at all. But, yeah. um, and same with the delegating. I think that's something that I need to learn. And it's something that I'm kind of getting there now. I'm like, I, cause I, you know, I reach out to everyone. I record the podcast, I edit it. I started running like courses in Melbourne and then it just like, it all piles on. And I feel like you don't do any single thing like really well, everything's just kind of like half-assed a little bit. Um, and you see the, the quality and, and everything kind of drop off. So I think that's something that I'm, I'm working towards is like you said, maybe like quarterly or something, just set some goals and for the next few months, I'm just going to focus on this, get it to where it's stable and kind of self-running and the systems are there and then kind of move on to the next tax. Because a 90 day goal is close enough that it stays exciting. You extend that out to six months or a year and you're like, ah, I'll worry about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll start with that in the next yeah. quarter. <laughs> and time is a big thing, you know, you know, coming from the school system, like, you know, you go grade one, grade two, and you like every year is like a set start and end. And you kind of, it's easy to track progress and things. And that's something that, you know, when you graduate and you're kind of into the abyss and you don't know, okay, so I've been out for like one year now, it's been two years and then time kind of flies by too. So to have that time frame of three months, six months, one year, and have a clear things that you want to accomplish, like a curriculum almost, I think it helps you kind of stay on track because otherwise you'll watch uh, start a Netflix show and you binge a week away and then another week goes by and then you're like, oh, I just lost two weeks and I did nothing productive outside of work. So, <laughs> so I've actually worked with a lot of people who are in their first or two, first year or two out of dentistry and the thing that i realized is that a lot of them were in this like i'm drowning type thing yeah and i kept asking like when did you feel successful and kind of the epiphany that i had and they had alongside with me because it was kind of in a group setting was that up until two years ago or one year ago the structure was provided for you and so you exactly. thrive really well on the structure and now it's not provided and you don't even realize it because if everything's a new normal you might have got married you might have 
become an associate or started a practice. And so now you're trying to be excellent, all these things, all of which you have no experience. <laughs> you have this burden of responsibility of like, how do I be awesome when you're never really awesome at anything the first time you do it? Yeah. And then you don't have the structure. So creating that, um, the rituals, the things that really help define you, whether it be uh, meditation or time with nature. Each, each person has their own stuff. There's stuff that's very predictable. Like uh, I think you had mentioned earlier, exercise that'll take the edge off any sort of anxiety or depression that we have. It's like a pill, but there's no side effects, right? Yeah. Um, engineering that into your day and making it uh, a habit. Then to me, a habit is just an addiction, meaning it's harder not to do it than to do it. You're, it's just subconscious. And there's a lot of junk science that say it's 21 days. Yeah. The current research is 60, 66 to 67, sometimes more up to 100 days. So yeah. if you think it's a habit at 22 days, you'll probably soon fall, fall off. And go back and <laughs> you got to keep at it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about, and this is, I know this is a probably something that you're, is probably close to you because it hit home. It's like, you know, overcoming adversity and overcoming like things in life that kind of hit you and maybe you don't expect it. We're coping with like stressors at work or relationships. And, you know, on top of everything else that we talked about, like you're, you graduate and you're, you know, you're worried about finances, you're worried about work, you're trying to start a business maybe, or if you're entrepreneurial, you're like starting projects. And it's hard enough doing things when everything's rosy and everything's going well. But if you just throw a wrench into the, into the gears there and something comes up, whether it's like a bad situation at work um, or family or relationships, it's hard to kind of fall off the wagon and kind of everything just kind of pause on because you're, you stop moving. So, and you talk about the pit often as just your knowledge of like you're in the pit and how to climb out or get out of that. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of we'll take it from there? Yeah, sure. Um, so my background comes out of, of understanding this comes out of necessity. So started a practice in a, not so good economy. It wasn't really high demand. I was probably a little overconfident because I had read all those uh, articles on dental economics. Um, yeah. And my wife was pregnant, which I wasn't expecting. So I leave a perfectly good job and a perfectly good life in North Carolina to move to a resort town because it was my vision to have a vacation in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was the dream, but it quickly turned into a nightmare because of I wasn't a great leader and I didn't hire correctly. And so I had animosity on the team. I had maxed out three credit cards. My wife was medevaced for the birth of my son and um, that trip saved her life and the life of my son. Three years later, I found her face down on her laptop computer um, and I knew immediately she had a stroke. Again, had to be medevaced to save her life. And so those are gut punches. And as an alpha male, you just want to make everything all right. Yeah. Some of that stuff you can't, there's no hustle or grit or grind or sleepless nights that'll fix it. Right. And that takes a, at least for me, it took a toll on my identity. So everything that I teach and coach and talk about is a byproduct of never wanting to be there again, myself, Mm -hmm. Um, wanting to have a skill set and a mindset that uh, ensured and insulated me from that. Cause I know it's probably coming something to that degree will come again in my life again. And I want to be, prepared. And so just systematically figuring out ways to become bigger than the problems, recognizing that those problems aren't going to get to go away is really important. Um, for me, it always goes back to why. So why did I come here? Why did I start this place? I, re- yeah. I remember specifically looking down at my son in his, in his crib. He was probably... Uh, one, not, not two, one or so. He was still a baby. Yeah. And my insights were trembling. Like I was in a really bad financial place. I was like, 
is this startup going to be a crash and burn? Am I going to have to move to Denver or travel to Denver to get an associateship? And I said, Bennett, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to figure it out. He didn't hear me, but it was a promise to him, right? Like, yeah. I didn't want my story to my son when he was a teenager. Like, oh, we had it pretty good. It seemed <laughs> like, you know, and then all of a sudden, it was a crash and burn, and I had to give up. So, some of that is um, it's mindset stuff. It's knowing, like, for me, it was breaking it down even further. It wasn't ninety days. It was like get it through lunch. Yeah, day, stacking those together. Um, the human you know that from all sorts of stories and fables and from people that you know, like if a human has to do something, it's amazing. Like how I got out of that situation financially, I can't explain. I literally can't explain how I got the yeah. credit, cards, credit cards paid off. And now I have this very prosperous uh, practice that gives me tons of time off, um, pays me very well for the time that I'm there. Um, but it's just that constant like habit stacking, like I said, of saying one step and one foot, in front of the other and there's sometimes that next step is hard 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 and there's yeah. other times you're jogging along and you don't even feel it um but that's that's what i would say is like and that's really why i started the realist dentist people are like why why did you call yourself the realist dentist well i didn't call myself the realist dentist it wasn't a ego move it was i felt dentistry deep more grit and courage because yeah where i saw my colleagues tripping up was i know what i want but i'm scared to pursue it i'm risk averse what if i invest and i don't get the money back um, we get really good at jumping through hoops and taking risk. And then somehow for most people that goes away as we, you know, get practices and get a little income and we fall into this comfort zone yeah. and that comfort zone can sometimes, um, be more of a pit than we realize. So, um, yeah, for me, it's just one step and one never stopping. Yeah. Sometimes That's it's sweet. really slow and it looks like I'm stopping. Yeah. <laughs> Making sure that I stay on the path and I keep on. Yeah. That's powerful. That's great. So, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. So I think, you know, one you're saying is you got to have your habits. You got to have the the backbone of who you are and have habits that you can rely on to kind of get you through. So be task oriented enough, be it like mindfulness, be it exercise, be it any like other sort of stress management things. And then clarity is the next big thing. So once you have the tools, you got to have a clear path of like where you're headed and how to get there and have, you know, break it down into like small actionable goals, like maybe every quarter, or every few months that you can kind of track and kind of keep yourself accountable as well. And I think that all oh, that's great. I, I'm huge into all of this and it's exciting to talk to someone who has experience in it and is like coaching it. And because that's certainly, for, you know, for me, I have this like imposter syndrome of, you know, I feel like I've, I spend a lot of time, like you said yourself, I think in the keynote that, you know, you're not a trained psychologist or anything, but you just cared enough and spent enough time to like do the research, do the readings, to build up the knowledge base, to be able to do something like this. So certainly I think in my future, I would love to be, you know, and it's nice to talk to someone because it's like a role model to like look up to and, and see, because I think that's certainly in my future and I want to help out other people as well. But I think before I do that, I feel like I have to like accomplish more things so I can actually have something to, to, uh, to rely on and be like, this is what I've done. This is why I can tell you what to do. So tell me a little bit about obviously, you know, dental success network is something that you've been involved with. And then that book of, you know, times of dentistry. So tell me a little bit about these side projects and the podcast as well, the relentless dentist. So interesting. The podcast came out before things were really dark for me. So I was, uh, I had learned to kind of, uh, I'd, Crack the code on marketing. I knew how to get a steady stream of patients. And the pod, just like most entrepreneurs, that if what you want isn't available, you feel like this drive to create it. Yeah. And it was really early in podcasting. And so there's only one other dental podcast out there. And it was, it was, um, it wasn't a dentist, it was a consultant. And I was like, yeah. I really need a four dentists by dentists. And so that's what drove that. 
um, that connected me with this beautiful network of incredible people in dentistry that now are some of my closest friends. I didn't really intend for that to happen. I, I just didn't have that foresight to know I was independent, I think, and then I would just, uh, just uh, do all the heavy lifting in my career by myself. But those connections have been um, very fulfilling. Some of the most incredible people that I think exist, not only a profession, but just period. Um, yeah. And if I have a bad day, there's someone that in, in that inner circle that I can text or vice versa. And sometimes you just need someone to say, like, it'll pass. You know, like, yeah. it's not comfortable. It's not enjoyable, but that soon shall pass. Um, uh, DSN is very much a byproduct of that. And Titans of Dentistry is also a byproduct of that. Most of the people and Titans of Dentistry um, were people that I already knew through the podcast. Yeah. And it, Titans of Dentistry was the book that I wish I had 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, we spend all this time becoming so savvy clinically and going to all the CE, but everyone knows the really savvy clinician who is twiddling their thumbs because they don't know how to lead a team. They don't know how to market. They don't know how to tell people what they can do to serve them and yeah. create more confidence and, um, and health in their life. So that's, the, that was always, that's the obvious missing piece is business acumen, leadership, um and marketing uh, savvy and so that's was the tone of the the podcast that's very much the tone of the book and then my coaching is all the things that i've learned through the school of hard knocks plus all the science and um i learned from the best um Brendan Bouchard is my mentor in high performance the stuff that i teach works for the guy in silicon valley that you know is talking billions yeah. As much as it does the dentist, as much as it does the Hollywood actor, as much as it would the people in your community. So it's based on human nature and science. And it was a realization that most of my struggles, I was fighting Mother Nature. And now I know how to leverage Mother Nature to make things uh, very profitable, but also increase fulfillment and reduce stress in the process. Because most of us, and you mentioned at the very beginning of the show, are achievers. And so we'll just run this marathon like it's a sprint. And that's why we're exhausted all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Being very um, compassionate, but knowing like I can be better. I can be more energetic. I can be more powerful as I age. And I don't have to do this decline that most people do. Mm -hmm. There's always exceptions to the rules, but it's driven by seven core competencies that I teach in coaching and it's everywhere in my podcast and so forth. And again, it's not my theory because the thing that always frustrated me about the success literature is there was a lot of fluff in there. There was a lot of stories yeah. and it was like one-off things. Like, is that, is that something that's predictable? <laughs> is it something that's repeatable? Um, and now I go to science and some of it's really boring, like get more sleep and drink more water. Yeah. And other of it's more sexy and savvy, but you start stacking those and all of a sudden, like literally you look back two years and say, I'm kind of embarrassed of that joker that I was because <laughs> yeah. you're just so, you didn't know what you didn't know. And, um, this creates more capacity so you can serve at a higher, higher level. All of them do. All of them are designed to do that because I see so many dentists who are stuck and it doesn't, there's a better path. I see a lot of dentists that are prosperous financially, but, you know, it comes at a cost of attention and time with family. Yeah. And I believe given the profession we have with good engineering, you can have it all. You can have it all. It's a great profession. I mean, you can work less days. You can have time to pursue other hobbies and interests. There's yeah. so many, there's so much freedom that dentistry provides us. So I think that's, that's a pretty unique thing that we have and can do. So that's awesome.
I think with all this that we talked about today, something that I'm kind of realizing is, you know, you can have all the knowledge and, and self-help jargon and stuff that you can, but truly like there's no substitute for like actual hard work. You got to actually like apply these things and stick with it and, and do it every day. Like you said, you know, the 66 sort of days to build a habit. I just finished that reading Robin Sharma's like 5am club. And, um, and that was like, that was that. It was exactly the 66 days to build the habit and how, how it's like tough for the first 22 days. And then you kind of get to that good period. And then uh, once the habit is there, then you can kind of rely on it and do it every day. Kind of, it becomes passive at that point, which is, exactly. which is great. So a couple of things just to wrap up with is, you know, obviously a lot of young grads are listening. And if you have any like tips overall, I know it's a big question to ask, but if there's any general tips that you have for young grads who are maybe looking to take the next step into either like, you know, leveling up their clinical skills and really investing into continuing education? Um, or is it if they're interested in business and want to start their own business, um, either like acquiring one or a startup? Uh, what general tips like would you give to yourself, for example, when you graduate dental school now? Um, I think the most important one that no one ever talks about is design a career that you don't want to retire from. It gives you um, a lot of power because it gives you a longer <laughs> runway, right? Because if you're 65 and you're loving what you, what you do, and some, for some people that would be just owning dental practices, some people that would be maybe practicing one day and owning a dental practice with a couple partners, yeah. they can take on unlimited manifestations, but we live for this finish line and most people aren't satisfied after it. And so it's, it's one part business design and it's one part lifestyle design, but yeah. you won't get there in probably five years, but you can probably get there in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if you can extend that out over time, like that's a powerful thing because now there's the ripple effect. You're giving um, the people in your practice a good place to work. So there's influence in, in, in the leadership. There's influence in taking care of patients. There's influence on being able to have um, abilities where you can give time, talent, and treasure away in your community. And then, you know, most dentists I work with have families and that's their big why. Like they want to make a better life for their family. And, you know, it's amazing to be able to take two weeks off and go to Australia or wherever it may be. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas most people consider three or four days off of vacation. Yeah. That's the, that's the life that you can provide for yourself if you're very intentional about it. If you just kind of do this hit and miss, like the target's changing every day, then that's what sort of um, results you're going to get. So just knowing that um, it's a long game and you should play it as such. And um, if you're, even if your existence at step one, isn't exactly what you want it to be, as long as you're trending upward and in your career and in these habits, like the changes in two years or at least for me and the, like my life in the last three years is unrecognizable to my old life. And that's just applying these things on a regular basis it's not hype. It takes hard work. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Some people are looking at you like you're crazy. Like, what the hell do you want to do that for? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I track my sleep. I track my meditation. I do all this sort of stuff. And it seems like, is it even enjoyable? But yeah. like I said, it becomes a habit. And now it's like effortless and just serves me. There's no tax. And I get mm-hmm. all of that time back. The time that I spent on the Peloton, the time that I spent meditating. So knowing that there's this macro game and this micro game that should be played at all times. And you'll only get the macro if you master the micro mm-hmm. would be the advice that I would give anyone. Because like you said, I think it came up two or three times in this conversation. Like we put huge amounts of pressure on ourselves because we all want to be Frank Spear today. Right. Yeah. And who, who wouldn't want to be, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be, but knowing that Frank Spear probably wasn't Frank Spear at year one. Or year two. <laughs> that's um, the, that's and, such um, a big insight for sure. 
Yeah, knowing that it's a journey and you'll have times where you feel like nothing's happening and you'll get these little inflection points. That's life. That's a career. Just keep trending upward and you can get to wherever you need to go. That's awesome. Thanks a lot for that. Um, we'll just wrap up. I normally just wrap up with a quick uh, rapid fire to line, line things up a little bit. So what's your uh, favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. What's your favorite tooth to work on? 13. Do you have, do you have, no, we're, we're not the Americans. <laughs> I think that's like upper left. Upper left premolar, yeah. Premolar, okay. <laughs> uh, if you, what's the one procedure in dentistry that makes you question your career choice? Uh, dentures. Dentures? Yeah. <laughs> if not dentistry, then what uh, career would you be in? Business. I mean, like a, like a C-suite business person, I think. And uh, what's your favorite uh, band or artist? Foo Fighters by far. Foo Fighters? <laughs> All right, uh, Dr. Dave Maloli, thanks so much for coming on. A uh, lot of value in that episode. I think a lot of people will kind of get a lot of little actionable things or even little nuggets to kind of think about and start to look up and, and get a little bit more detail on so they can actually um, you know, try and improve their careers, improve themselves, and hopefully reach their goals. And I think that clarity is the big one that I'm going to kind of take away from this and try and work towards. So I'll definitely I'll put a link into in the show notes for your podcast and the, and the book as well. And uh, I'm sure some people hopefully reach out to you with some follow-up questions and things like that too. Perfect. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor. Take care.